Bible bookcase card with. I gave it about, out, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, keep that handy. Keep that handy. Because what we're going to do, I'm going to go through each section of the Bible. It's broken up into sections. First, five books of the Bible, the law or the, the book of Moses, if you will. Uh, history will be the next section. Uh, poetry and wisdom will be the next section. And we're just going to preach through the Bible. When we're through, you'll have a complete working knowledge of the Bible. And we're going to start today. Are y'all with me? And I need y'all to understand, y'all got me in trouble last week. Because I went overtime and, and, and I said, I, I, I told them in the staff meeting, it was because y'all wasn't listening fast enough. All right, doesn't that sound legitimate? Amen. Uh, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, we, we are here, and I'm telling you, the Lord has been in this place today. There's something about preaching the Word of God that'll just bring it out. Amen. There's power in the Word of God. And I, I want to do this. I, I wanna, I, I'm going to go through these five books of the Bible, and I'm kind of I'm going to go through it fast. So if you, are, if, if you are taking notes, and it frustrates you when I go too fast, and you're trying to keep up, the best thing to do is not take notes today. And, and, and then you say, oh, man, I thought you wanted us to take notes. I'm going to provide these for you. Every one of my notes that I've got, I'm going to provide for you. And I've got a little sign-up sheet in the, in the media center. And if you want these notes, uh, they will be made available to you. That way you can just sit back and listen and, and follow along with us today. If that makes sense, say amen. So I want you to have that and have that made available to you, okay? Let's look in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 25. Luke 24, uh, uh, verse number 25. What we have here is, is Jesus has been crucified. Uh, uh, he has been put in the grave and he has risen again. But we find two of his followers that have, have learned about the Messiah. They were following the Messiah, but they didn't know he got up. They, all they heard is that they killed Jesus. Are y'all with me? Uh, this, this Messiah, the one they've been waiting on, the one they put their heart into, the one that they believed in, all they know is Jesus has been crucified. They, they, they tried him with a mock trial, and they put him in the ground, and now they're bumming about it. I mean, they are in a bad way, and Jesus shows up. How many of y'all are glad that when you are in a bad way, Jesus always shows up? And this is, this is what he says. He says, what's wrong? What, what, what's the problem? What, what are y'all talking about? And they say, where have you been? I mean, are you living under a rock? I mean, seriously, don't you know they killed Jesus? Don't you know uh, the Messiah has been taken and, and we thought he was going to be our hope? We really thought that he was going to be our deliverance and now he's gone. Now he's gone. Well, this is Jesus' reply. Are y'all with me? Luke 24, in verse number 25. This is his reply to him. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. This is talking about the Old Testament. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at what? Moses. Moses. That's the first five books of the Bible. And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded unto them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, when you see all of the scriptures here, he's talking about from Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament then. All they had was the Old Testament, but it was enough. Because all through the Old Testament, we're going to find Jesus in every book. Amen? And then it says in verse number 32, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? In other words, something happened 
on the inside while he talked with us by the way. And while he opened to us the what? The scriptures. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness to us. I pray that your will be done in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We're going to start with the book of Genesis, and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to preach the first five books of the Bible, the law section of God's Word. And we're going to, we're going to go through the main topics, basically. We're going to look at some key verses. Uh, we're not going to get everything. Now, you got to get that. Some of y'all purists in here, y'all get upset. Well, you left this out or you left that out. This is the way we had to approach this. This is like a fat boy going to the dessert bar. Say amen. You, you want everything, and you, you see everything, and everything looks good to you, but you got to leave some stuff behind. Are y'all with me? Now, there's a lot of stuff in here we left behind, but we're going to get some good stuff out there, and you can go home and read the rest. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We see the key verse to the book of Genesis is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here's the deal. In the beginning, God, I could preach a month right there. Before there was anything, there was God. Before there was an earth, there was God. Before there was a sun, there was a God. Before there was the stars, there was God. In the beginning, God. He is the creator of all things. Save your money. Save. Listen, all these people running around writing books trying to figure out where we come from and figure out the origin of mankind. I'm here to tell you, it says it in your Bible, in the beginning, God. The theme of the book of Genesis is beginnings or origins, the beginnings of things. So what do we find in Genesis? Several things we find in Genesis. First, we see the origin of the universe, the origin of the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the moon and the stars and everything that you see, God created it. We know where it comes from. We not only see the origin of the universe, we find the origin of humanity, the origin of humanity, we find in the book of Genesis that God looked down upon this earth and dug his hand in this earth and formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. We learned in the book of Genesis that God said, let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost had a committee meeting and said, let us make man in our image, and that's exactly what he did. God is a trinity, and he made man in a trinity. Man has a body, a soul, and a spirit. Three major parts of the body, three major joints in each hand and each finger. We are made in the image of God. We are not just another animal. Well, listen, I heard somebody say the other day that man is just an animal. No, sir. No, sir. We are made in the image of God. Nowhere do you find where God breathed into any animal and gave him a living soul. Somebody say amen. In Genesis, we find the origin of humanity. We find the origin of the universe. We find the origin of sin. Sin. Man's sin. Eve was uh, deceived. Adam disobeyed. And because of sin, we find the origin of death. We find the origin of the curse. Why do we have cancer? Because of sin. Why do we have heart disease? Because of sin. Why do we have diabetes? Because of sin. Why do we have lice and fleas and, and ticks and stickers and mosquitoes? Because of, I'm going to slap Adam right in the mouth when I see him. Say amen. I just happened to think about that right there. Amen. All of this stuff came from sin, the origin of sin. For the wages of sin is 
Because sin came, death came. How do we know we're sinners? We're all dying. Are y'all with me? The origin of sin. But then we see the origin of redemption. I'm telling you, I've been so jacked all day. I, it started in my studies this week, and I'm telling you, I couldn't hardly wait to get here. And I blowed a gasket in the first service. I'm going to just tell you that right now. I'm going to give you the best I got, but it ain't much left. Amen. The origin of redemption. You see, in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15, God is talking to the devil. Basically, he's talking to the serpent, and he says, Devil, I'm going to tell you something. The seed of the woman, and that is in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not say the seed of man. He said the seed of the woman. Why? Jesus was born of a virgin. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. Man was corrupt, and man was condemned, but his father is God in heaven, and he came forth of the woman. The seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. Talking about the devil. Are y'all with me? The Amen. He said, you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. Now, everybody knows that a heel wound is not critical. A heel wound is not fatal. But that head blow, what is he saying? On the hill of Calvary, on the hill of Golgotha, you're going to wound him. You're going to hurt him. You're going to bruise him. He may have stripes on his body. He may have a crown of thorns on his head. He may have spikes in his hands. But when it's said and done, he's going to deal you a fatal blow. Hallelujah. Give him praise and glory. Yes, yes, yes. You see, in Genesis, we find the origin of redemption, not only the promise of the Messiah, but we see the first offering of a blood sacrifice. You see, when man sinned in the garden, they tried to fix it on their own. Man sinned in the garden, and they tried to make a, 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 a close of fig leaves and cover their disobedience, cover their sin, cover uh, their nakedness, if you will. And God says, that'll never do. That'll never do. So he took, I believe it's a lamb. It just says an animal, but I believe it was a lamb. I believe he took an innocent lamb. And this is the first time that we find that the innocent died for the guilty. And that lamb was, his blood was shed and that skin was given to cover their sin. And from that point on, we see that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The origin of redemption, it's by the blood. It's by the blood. And we'll get to that in a minute too. That's some good stuff in Exodus. Amen. Ah, the origin of redemption. <clears throat> then we find the origin of the nations. The nations. Why do we have people speaking Chinese? And why do we have people speaking Japanese? And why do we have people speaking English and, and Spanish and all these different? We find that God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel. So now we know where all that took place and how we have gone from speaking one language from the family of Adam. Now we're speaking many languages when God scattered the people and confounded their languages. All right. Then we find, and this is really the most important one, we find the origin of the nation of Israel. The origin of the nation of Israel. We find this. Now, we find Abraham. God calls Abraham. And then we find Isaac and Jacob and then Joseph. Oh, Joseph. Say amen. 
Joseph is the greatest type of Christ in all of the Bible. Do you see Joseph was loved by his father, but he was hated by his brethren. The Bible says that Jesus came into his own and his own received him not. The Bible says he was beloved by his father on the day of his baptism. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We see that he was thrown in a pit. We've seen he was was persecuted and Jesus was too. We see that he was sold for the price of silver and Jesus was too. We see that Jesus rose to prominence to sit on the throne and deliver a nation. Joseph was there. I'm glad to know that one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One day he wore a crown of thorns, but one day he's going to wear a crown of gold. Somebody say amen. Oh, Joseph, 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 one of the greatest types of Christ in the Bible. All the way to the end of Genesis, all the way to the end of Genesis, we see God calling out a nation. Now, you got to understand, you got to understand the importance of this nation. This nation was to be a representative of God in heaven. Are y'all with me? So you have this big earth and you have this group of people. God called this group of people out to be, not because he liked them better than everybody else, but he needed a representative He needed ambassadors to represent himself to this earth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So he called them out. Well, at the end of Genesis, we find them in bondage. We find them living in Egypt under great bondage. Because in Exodus chapter number one, we find that, that Pharaoh did not know who Joseph was. You see, uh, uh, approximately... Uh, three or four hundred years have passed, and, 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 and as that time passed, that, listen, uh, the, the memory of Joseph, the memory of his ministry, the memory of his legacy had gone past, and now we have this great group of people in the nation of Egypt in great bondage. So that brings us to Exodus. Now, how many of y'all will say it with me? Uh, the, the, the theme of Genesis is beginning. Say that with me. The theme of Genesis is beginnings, the origin of things. Then we move to Exodus. Good night. This is good right here. In Exodus, we find that the word Exodus means to leave a place. To leave a place. And it it basically tells the story of the departure of the nation of Israel out of Egypt headed to the promised land. Now, here's three main things that we find. And I'm going to give you the key verses. I'm going to give you the key verses in your notes. You can pick them up, but I'm going to just to save some time. We're just going to go through it, all right? Uh, uh, Here's what we find. There's three main things that we find in the book of Exodus. First, we find bondage. We find bondage. Two things under this that you really see. We find they are in a foreign land, and they are under a slave master, Pharaoh. Y'all with me? They are in a foreign land. This is not their home. This is not where they belong. Their home is Canaan. Their home is the promised land. Their home is what God had given them. Their home is where their inheritance is. This is not their home. And in this foreign land, they are under a dictator. They are under severe 
bondage and slavery. Do you realize, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm walking on this earth, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Uh, Listen, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blues. The angels beckon me to heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. My citizenship is in heaven. My name is on the roll in glory, and I'm telling you, I don't want to talk like the people down here. I don't want to act like the people down here. I don't want to live like the people down here because this world is not my home. Hey, hey, I was in severe bondage and slavery. Do you realize as a lost person, as a lost person, the Bible says we're dead in our trespasses and in sins. As a lost person, according to the word of God, that we are slaves to the devil. We are slaves and in bondage to sin. Are you with me? And so we see in the story, in the life of the nation of Israel, we see the life of a Christian that when, amen, when God finds us, we're in bondage. The next thing I see is not bondage, but deliverance. Deliverance. What do you see there? We see there is a deliverer sent. We see that God hears their cry. You see, they cry out to God. They cry out for deliverance. They cry out for mercy. The nation of Israel is in Egypt under great severe bondage and the burden of the Egyptian people. And as they are under that burden, as they are in that slavery, they cry for mercy. They cry, oh God, would you send somebody to set us free? Oh God, would you get us out of this place that we are in? And I'm glad to know as they cried out unto God, there is a God in heaven who heard their cry. He heard their cry and he sent a messenger. He sent a servant. He sent a deliverer. And oh, that makes me think of Psalms when he said, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and he set my foot on a rock and established my goings and put a new song in my mouth. I'm glad when I couldn't get to him, he came to me. I'm glad he heard my cry when I couldn't fix myself, when I couldn't solve my problems, when I couldn't change my behavior. He heard my cry and sent Jesus my way. You see, he met Moses at the burning bush. And he said, I got a job for you. And Moses said, I ain't no good. He said, I done tried that one time. I'm glad even when we failed, God's not through with us. That's a whole nother message. Amen. He said, I got a job for you. I want you to go tell Pharaoh to set my people free. And then make a long story short, In this, this subject of deliverance in the book of Exodus, we not only see a, a deliverer sent, but we see a sacrificial lamb. This is key. Because see, everywhere you read in the Bible, you need to be looking for Jesus. Because the whole purpose, he said, in the volume of the books is written of me. What was Jesus telling them about when he went to Moses and all the prophets? He was telling them about himself. And what do we see? He said, when that, when that last plague came, y'all know the plagues, all of them, I ain't going to go into all of them, but at the last one, he said, I'm going to send the death angel. And when I send the death angel, the firstborn of every household will die without the application of blood. And y'all know what happened. Y'all know what happened. He said, I want you to take a lamb, a lamb without spot and without blemish. I want you to go to that doorpost. I want you to go to that, that opening of that door or where the house lives, where the householders live. And I want you to slay that lamb in the door, uh, the door opening. And I want you to take that blood and I want you to apply it 
to the, the doorposts and to the lintel. In other words, there was blood all the way around the opening. You say, why was that important? Because Jesus said, I am the door. And when the death angel came, he said, I'm going to take the firstborn of every house unless I see the blood. And this was the wording. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Now, if you're, in, if you're coming from an old-timey church and you grew up in church like I did, you remember singing the song, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And you say, what's so significant about that? Because, listen, thousands of years later, you'll find there was a man who stood up and there was a man who came that was preaching the gospel. He, listen, he was preaching repentance and his name was John Baptist. And he was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was a hellfire brimstone preacher. Turn or burn, baby. And they said, hey, are you him? He said, no. He said, are you the Messiah? No, 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 I'm not him. I'm just baptizing with water. But there's one coming after me whose shoe latched. I'm not even worthy to latch. I'm baptizing with water. But there's one coming after me who's going to baptize with fire and the Holy Ghost. And boy, he's a baptizing. They're having revival and camp meet. And here comes Jesus walking down the riverbank. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. You say preacher who was that lamb in Exodus? He was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is my Passover lamb and because I have the blood of Christ applied to my life. Listen when the death angel comes he says I see the blood. Amen. Listen, God doesn't, God doesn't, he doesn't see my good deeds. He doesn't see my good efforts. He doesn't see my righteousness because I have none. All he sees is the blood of Christ. And then God says, satisfied, satisfied. Say amen. Amen. Now watch this. It's getting gooder and gooder. Amen. You find, you find bondage. And in Exodus, you find deliverance. But then you find a pilgrimage. That's, that's important. We miss this one. We find a pilgrimage. They begin a journey. Do you realize the moment you got saved, that was not the end? That was the beginning? Do you realize the moment you came out of Egypt by the blood, you started a walk with God? They began a pilgrimage that went through the wilderness to the promised land. And there's something I want you to get about this pilgrimage that we're on. There's two major things that I see about this pilgrimage, their journey through the wilderness. First, there is divine presence. Oh, mercy. The divine presence of God. Do you see that in the desert, I don't know if you've ever been to the desert, but if you ain't never been to the desert, it gets hot. Listen, that's why camels have all them humps. Say amen. Hey, it gets hot. I'm talking about like fry egg on the sand, hot. It gets unbearably hot during the, the, the day. But then do you realize in the same place that it gets unbearably hot during the day, it'll get unbearably cold at night? I'm talking about cold, cold. And you know what? As I was reading my Bible, this is how good our God is. He led the nation of Israel by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. 
You say, what's the big deal? If there's ever anything that you want when you're out in that hot sun, you're praying for a cloud. And I'm glad to know, I'm glad to know that God's presence, he'll give you what you need when you need it. If it's a cloud by day, if it's fire by night to keep you warm, God will be everything you need. And his presence went before him. Every, hallelujah, everywhere they went, he had already been there. And I'm glad he said, just come and follow me. And everywhere they went on their pilgrimage, everywhere they went on their journey, his presence was with them. And the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What does that mean? If I'm in the valley, he'll be with me. If I'm on the mountaintop, he'll be with me. If I got to go to the doctor, he'll be with me. If I got to go to the lawyer, he'll be with me. If I got to go to the hospital, he'll be with me. If I got to go to the funeral home, he'll be with me. Somebody give God praise and glory. Hallelujah. Everywhere I go, even in the dark places, even in the difficult places, according to the book of Exodus, we have a God who will be with us. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. Not only divine presence, but I've seen in the book of Exodus, there was divine providence. Or if you want to use the word provision. Now, I don't know about you rich people in here, but when you broke, you need a move of the Lord. Amen. I know when, you, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're rich, that, that's no issue. But when you're poor, sometimes, sometimes you need God to div- intervene. Amen. I knew, I knew I was preaching in a poor church. I knew I was preaching in a poor church, especially a long time ago when we was in the little building. When this lady stands up and thanks God for deferred payments, I knew I was preaching to a poor congregation. Amen. That's funny. I don't care who you are. You can laugh, get mad, whatever. That's funny. Amen. The worst part about it, I could relate. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Do you know God will supply our need? Do you realize they're in the middle of the wilderness? They're in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a desert. They ain't a Taco Bell in sight. I'm talking about not a burger. We don't understand this. We can't even fathom what need they have. Because we could go to the store. We could go right down the road and grab a hamburger on the dollar menu. We don't understand being in the middle of nowhere with nothing. And oh, they cried out to God. Said, God, we're hungry. God went to the bakery in glory. He said, I need to place an order, please. I got some people down there that's hungry. And he gave, listen, he gave man angels food. He rained down manna every single day and gave them all that they needed. He brought in quail. Listen, knee deep. Listen, he gave them water out of a rock. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm trying to tell you, when you begin this journey with Jesus, he'll be with you when you need him. He'll give you what you need when you need it. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Are y'all with me? Yeah, that's all in Exodus. Who would have thought? Right there in your Bible. The whole time. There it is. We've got a God who delivers. You see, in Genesis, it's the book of beginnings. 
It's a book of beginnings, the book of origins, where we know where we come from. God wants you to know where you come from. God wants you to know what he's done for you. Exodus is the book of deliverance. But then I want you to see this. Leviticus. This is the law. The key, the key thought, if you will, to this is, is holiness. Say that with me. Holy. Now, it's going to get a little rocky right here because nobody likes to talk about this. We like, we like talking about going to another dimension. Listen, listen people on TV, them, them, them TV preachers, they're always talking about another level in a new dimension. I, I haven't heard any of them talking about holiness. But do you realize the first thing that God dealt with them when they came out of Egypt, brought them to Mount Sinai, was deal with their holiness? Watch this. Here's a verse. Leviticus eleven forty four, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall, ye shall therefore sanctify yourself. That word means, sanctify means uh, clean up. It means basically take a bath, if you will. It's time to get cleaned up. And let me say this. God will never do for you what he's commanded you to do. He said, sanctify yourself. Watch what he says. And ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defy yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. He wants us to be holy because he's holy. He wants us to be like him, but it's, it's, there's more to it than that. Boy, as I, begin to, as I begin to read this and study this, we need to understand this. God doesn't, God doesn't just want you to look different from the rest of the world. You see, God gave them all of these laws and festivals and feasts and all this to set them apart. I want you to stand out. I want you to be different. You're, you're sanctified. You are for my purpose. You are mine. I want you to be different than all the world around you. And by the way, they failed. They failed in their responsibilities. That's why we have the church. You see, the nation of Israel was God's representative. Now, the church is. And that's a whole other story. We can get into that later. But here's the, here's the deal. I want you to be separate. I want you to be holy. I want you to be righteous. And here's the, here's the reason. Access... To God. You see, in all of Leviticus, we find access to God. Because here's what I need everybody to understand. I need everybody to understand this. God is thrice holy. There are creatures around the throne of God crying day and night, 24-7, every hour of the day, every minute of every hour, crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. How is a sinful man going to come into the presence of a holy God? How does corrupt and condemned and sinful man ever have the chance to come into the presence of a holy God? How do we get there? You see, the Bible says in 1 John Chapter number one, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. And somebody say amen. amen. So how are we going to get into the presence of God? Basically by two things. 
that we find in the book of Leviticus. Sacrifices and offerings and the ministry of the high priest. (laughs) Oh, boy. You see, he says, if you're going to come into my presence, let me me lay it out. I'm I'm just acting like... I'm just like, like there's some folks in here that don't have no clue what I'm talking about. They built a tabernacle, a church, if you will. They built a place where they go to meet with God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And there was this special section called the holiest of holies, the holy of holies. In it was the Ark of the Covenant. That's where they carried all through the wilderness wandering. The Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God was. It was where the mercy seat was, where you found the Shekinah glory of God. You couldn't go in there. That's where God's glory was. And then there was, a, there was a veil that was between the holy of holies and the holy place. In the holy place, <clears throat> there was, the, there was a, the, 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 the table of showbread, the, 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 the candlestick, and the altar of incense, which represented, all of it represented Jesus. But, but we'll, we'll, we'll go to that later. But You couldn't get into where God was because of the veil. The veil separated man from God because he's holy and we're unholy. And he said, in order to come into my presence, you have to take a lamb without spot or without blemish. You have to take the blood of that lamb and and, and only the high priest, only the high priest once a year had to take that lamb and go into the holiest of holies in the very Shekinah glory of God and the presence of God and offer that lamb on the mercy seat because that mercy seat cried out for justice and holiness and righteousness. It cried out for blood because of the sin of mankind. And when that, when that blood was applied, it would cry out satisfied for one year. And then the high priest had to go in again at the end of that year and do it again and again and again and again over and over because our sins were crying out for righteous justice. And then the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, came and he died on the cross. And according to the word of God, when he cried, it is finished. The veil that separated man from God was, <laughs> it was ripped from the top to the bottom. And it is very significant that it ripped from the top to the bottom, because if it ripped from the bottom to the top, man could say he did it. But it was God who did it. And it wasn't, hallelujah, it wasn't so God could get out. It was so we could go in. Yes. Now, now I don't need a high priest. I have access to God. Me, an unholy creature, me, an unrighteous creature, I can go into the presence of God not because of my righteousness, not because I've been a good person, not because I've done right all my life. No, sir, when God looks down at me, he doesn't see me. He doesn't see my faults. He doesn't see my failures. All he sees is the blood that's applied to my life. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And I have access to God. 
because of the holiness of Christ. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. We need to be a loving church. We need to be a kind church. We need to be a gracious church. We need to be a merciful church with people who have fallen and messed up. But we need to be a holy church. Because the only place we're going to find the power that we need to conquer this world and what we have to face is going to be through the power and presence of God. And that's going to come through holiness. And all God's people say it. Let me, let me give you two, two more. Four minutes. Oh, boy. All right, let's go again. Let's go again. Here we're over here. Genesis. Genesis. The book of beginnings. Say it with me. The book of beginnings. Origins. The book of beginnings. Where we come from. Exodus. This is the book of deliverance. Say that with me. The book of deliverance. That's where we learn what God has done for us. That's what we learn about being in bondage and being delivered. Now we're on our pilgrimage. We're, we're on our journey with God. But then he took them to Mount Sinai where they, they received the law so they could learn to be holy. They, they could learn to be separate so they could learn to be and have access to a holy God. Then we find a sad commentary. We find the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers, the, the key theme to the book of Numbers is doubt. Say it with me. And the consequences of it. You see, in the book of Numbers, we find Moses and the children of Israel, they get all the way to the promised land. They get all the way to the promised land and, and they get to the place where God promised. They get to the place that God told them of. And they took 12 spies and sent them in. And those 12 spies went in and they found that it was exactly the way God said it was. They said, surely this place floweth with milk and honey. There was grapes so big, it took two men to carry one pot of grapes. They brought them back. I believe those two men were Joshua and Caleb, my personal opinion. And they come back, the nation of Israel is waiting patiently. Here they come back, tell us about it, tell us about it, tell us about it, where two of them are jumping up like a bunch of crickets. Woo! Let's go. Let's get it on, son. I'm telling you what, you ain't going to believe what we saw. Hey, let's go. What are we waiting on? Every church needs some fellas like that. But then you got 10 others. Now, let's don't get carried away now. I think we need to pray about this. You always watch them birds that say it like that. I just don't think we can do it. Man, those giants, we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. I mean, you should have seen them. They were, we can't do it. And it got God frustrated. He said, you, you're going to see what I did to the Egyptians. You're going to see what I did to the Red Sea. You're going to see what I did with water out of a rock. You're going to see what I did with that manna and that quail. You're going to see what I did with all of the victory that you received. And it's even exactly like I told you. But you're not going to believe I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And in the book of Numbers, we find unbelief. The most dangerous thing for any church is unbelief. It's not the world. Well, I tell you what, this devil's crowd out here, that ain't the problem. The devil's crowd has always been around. You may tell you the most dangerous thing to every believer is unbelief. Because the next thing we see in the book of Numbers is not unbelief, it's murmuring, whining about everything. 
Uh-huh. It's there. Don't look at me that way. Whining, complaining, belly aching, murmuring. They murmured about the food. They murmured about their leaders. They murmured about the desert. They whined about everything. It's funny. I heard a man say it this way. When it come to Moses, they, they, they whined about the way he led. They whined about the way he fed. And they whined about what he said. I said, that's a Baptist church if I've ever seen one right there. <laughs> whining, murmuring. You don't, you don't see whining and murmuring from believers. You only find complaining and whining from unbelief. I'm telling you, it's there. And the bad part about that is, I don't know why you shouldn't be so hard on us. We're just concerned. No, you're not. You're unbelief. And here's the dangerous part about whining. God, number one, God don't like it. I ain't real fond of it. My wife, she ain't either. She told me, amen, quit your whining, boy, amen. Nobody likes whining. But this is what God did with their murmuring and their whining. He brought judgment. He brought plagues. He brought fiery serpents. Y'all remember them? And then the worst part about it, he banished them from the promised land. He said, okay, from 20 years old and up, ex except for Joshua and Caleb, you're going to die out here in the wilderness. You don't want to go in? You don't believe I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do? You don't believe I'm going to keep you safe? I tell you what, you can go back out there and wander around in that wilderness for 40 more years till you all die. And, and these children that you were so worried about that was going to be a prey, I'm going to bring them in and they're going to enjoy what you could have. And there's something, and I don't mean to go long, but, but there's something so significant in, in the New Testament that talks about their unbelief and their wondering. This is what it says. They entered not into God's rest because of their unbelief. And I wonder how many Christians are restless in their life, worried about their bills, worried about their problems. Worried about their issues because they don't believe God's big enough to fix them. And how many of us are living a restless life, a life with no peace, a life with no joy? And I'm talking about Christians, saved folk, people in the pilgrimage. Because we won't believe that God's able. Sad commentary. We need to know, we need to know where we come from, Genesis we need to know how we got here and, and got to the place of salvation. That's, that's the, the exodus, leaving the place, leaving bondage, leaving sin. Then we need to know about holiness, Leviticus. And then really important, we need to know the, the importance of faith and confidence in God. Confidence in God. Then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy is taken from two Greek words that mean second law. Say that with me second law and and what what it what it is the the key or the theme to deuteronomy is review or rehearse you see all of that crowd that didn't believe all of that crowd who were faithless and wouldn't go in they died in the wilderness now you have a whole 
whole new crop of people in Deuteronomy. They're right on the edge of the promised land. They're right fixing to go in, and we'll learn this next week in Joshua. They're right fixing to go in to, to take, take possession of what God has promised. And God says, before y'all go in, all this new generation, all this new crowd, all the, these, these, this new nation of Israel, basically, I need to remind you what I told your parents. And he, he rehearsed or retold what he told them at Mount Sinai when they first come out of Egypt. And what does that teach us? It teaches this. Sometimes we need to be reminded about deliverance. We need to be reminded of where we were when God found us. We need to be reminded of the importance of holiness. We need to be reminded of the power and provision of God. There are times I get worked up in my life and I get nervous and I get worried and I just need somebody to come and tell me again, hey, God's going to meet your need. And there's times I'm in that valley that I need to be reminded that he is that pillar of fire. And he is that pillar of cloud. And there's no place I'll ever go that he won't go with me. Sometimes we just need to be told again. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Genesis beginnings. Exodus deliverance. Leviticus the law and holiness. Numbers wandering in doubt and the consequences of it. Five, review and rehearse. Tell me again what God has done for us. I don't know about y'all, but if this is the beginning of what God's going to do through this series, I can't hardly wait. Church, say amen. amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you humbly in, in, in desperate need of your touch. God, there's some folks going through some hard times right now that just needs to be like Deuteronomy, reminded again of who you are. Reminded again of your mercy, reminded again of your touch, reminded again of your provision and your presence. God, I pray for that one that's discouraged, lift them up. I pray for that one that's disappointed, Lord, touch them. I pray if there's someone here that's lost, doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray that they would receive you today. God, I pray for your glory, I pray for your touch. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If you're coming to be baptized, if you're a gentleman, if you're a gentleman, if you're coming to be baptized, if you'll see my left, Brother Shane will help you. If you're, if you're a young lady and you're coming to be baptized, if you'll see my right, Miss Tracy's over there, she'll be assistance to you. Come now. If you're coming to be baptized, come now and meet them and they will take care of you. Everybody else, we're going to